0: Welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli. Uh, If you have a look in the episode description, there's still the link there for my friend Selena's uh, Kiss Goodbye to MS Foundation. So if you uh, are interested in giving to that, click on the link. All the information's there. She's trying to run 50 kilometers in May to run, to run, to raise funds for research into MS and to find a cure for multiple sclerosis. So um, click on the link. Give as much for as little as you can, uh, and that would be amazing. Uh, this episode that you're about to listen to features Nick DiMetto, who is the Queensland MP for the seat of Hinchinbrook. Um, it was really cool to talk to him as sort of a, well, you know, I, I guess an electorate that I haven't, haven't been to um, up in North Queensland, but it was really cool to talk to him about um, what it's like being... In, in a minor party in Queensland Parliament, uh, the area that he represents, because it's such a large and diverse area, um, and the fact that, you know, he used to be a jet ski operator in that area, um, and also, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, the impact of the floods at the time, because this, we did record this a few months ago, before, and then, obviously, the federal election was called, and so I started talking to candidates, so it is from a little while ago, but it's still a very interesting, very interesting um Episode. So, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you do, make sure you like, subscribe, share. If you can write a review on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, you know, um, that would be amazing. It just really helps people find the episodes and, um, yeah, it just gets it out there a bit more so people can find out all the work that our politicians do. In the episode description, there's also where, where you can keep up to date with what Nick is doing in Hinchinbrook and in the Queensland Parliament. And also, just some things to do in Hinchinbrook, uh, places to go, why you should visit, all that kind of stuff. So, check out the episode description. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. Uh, welcome to People Who Are Politicians. I'm your host, Matt Antonelli, and today I'm joined by Nick DeMatto, the member for Hinchinbrook. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you very much, Matt, and it's a pleasure to actually uh, have the opportunity to speak with you.
0: So, uh, well. You're the first MP from North Queensland that I've spoken to, so... It'll oh, be. I feel I, very a different privileged.
1: So, and, you know, the first Catter uh, Party person as well. So. We do things a little bit differently in the North, that's for sure, and <laughs> it takes a special kind of person to actually want to live up in the North and want to prosper and work in some of those harsh conditions, so I guess it breeds a different politician up there. So let's, well, let's start with your electorate then. So Hinchinbrook, yeah. uh, what's it
0: like, like, where is it, and uh, I guess what's the... What's the culture of that? Well, I guess the
1: tourism spiel is it's two hundred and five k's of the uh, the best coastline in Australia, some of the most lovely beaches, pristine sort of uh, you know, outback sort of meets the um the beach and the reef. I guess uh, we've got Hinchinbrook Island, which is pretty central to the middle of the electorate, uh, and I guess that's where the electorate was actually named after Hinchinbrook Island. But it's uh, it's an interesting demographic. Uh, it's like I said. 205 kilometres from top to bottom. It's not as big as Robbie Catter's electorate mm-hmm. of Traeger, but it's it's interesting because I have three regional councils. I've got the Townsville City Council to the south of the electorate, uh, which starts at the Bowley River. We've got in the middle of the Hinchinbrook electorate, we've got the Hinchinbrook Shire Council, and then I'll take in a part of the Kasserie Coast Regional Council at the north, which is uh, finishes up around Urimo and, uh, and the Tully region up there. So all very different operating councils, uh, very different people too uh, when you're talking about the, when you start spreading out the electorate. You've got banana farming predominantly to the north, you've got cane farming in the middle and then you have a look at the, the southern part of the electorate. Northern beaches and towns, a real mixture. Mining, construction and um, defence force. You've also got you know, all those normal jobs you'd have in the big city. Yeah people residing in the northern beaches of Townsville uh, within the Hinchbrook electorate. And then obviously, as a member,
0: that's quite a large area to then get around. So, yeah. like how do you, um, with all these different types of people to get to, how do you uh, uh, mind your days? My
1: background's mining and construction, and a lot of people ask me these days, so Nick, where do you live? And I, <laughs> I'd respond out of the blue suitcase I used to live out of when I was in mining and construction flying around the countryside. I'm doing about 1,400 kilometres a week. Uh, my electorate officer, Joanne, she, um, she does a brilliant job at running my diary. Um, she tries to put me in different parts of the electorate at different time parts of the week to try and um, spread out, oh sorry, reduce the amount of travelling I have to do. But whenever we have something in Cardwell for the day, the world starts falling apart in the northern beaches of towns. I'll <laughs> say, you're jumping back in your vehicle between meetings and going backwards and forwards and I'm actually going to request the parliament to uh, actually start paying me by the kilometre, that might be a better <laughs> way for enumeration. <laughs> Now, before you were the member, you yeah. um, what
0: what were you up to? I, I know I was talking to um, Mark Bailey last week, and he said to
1: obviously talk to you about jet skiing. Yeah. So w- what, what kind of things were you up to before getting <laughs> Yeah, so um, what, before I got into politics, uh, like I said, my background's mining and construction. I'm yeah. a fit maker by trade, actually. Yeah. And then uh, after about 10 years in mining and construction, I decided I'd put myself in a position where I was financially stable, and I thought... I want to get back out on the water. My dad used to have game boat and um, and dive boats as well growing up, and at every opportunity on my days off, I'd be out on the water. And what I wanted to do was actually share that experience with people. I'd just gotten back from, uh, I think it was Hawaii at the time, on my honeymoon, and I said to my wife, all those water sports activities we did over there, they were so watered down, Uh, excuse the pun, but it was (laughs) to the point where it was actually quite boring. But I looked around at the people that were doing the same tours and we were doing, and 80% of them were having the best day of their life. And I thought, if we could just share with them what our our experience of th- fun would be, uh, you know, I think it would be a pretty easy uh, kill, I guess, when it comes to entertaining the guests. So we, uh, I looked at purchasing a dive boat originally, and I went back and I did my sums, and I did, their, um, <laughs> I did the business plan and started crunching the projections and the numbers. And with... The, Know, the current fuel prices, starting up a new business as well as insurance and all the other costs that come with that, uh, I thought I'd probably send myself broke pretty quickly in, in the current economic climate. So I went back to the drawing board and I, ha- I found um, a machine which was a lot cheaper, jet skis, to purchase and run, um, looked at the price that uh, people were actually paying for those types of experiences and decided that was the, the route I was going to take. So. After about eight months of planning and um, applying for permits and going backwards and forwards, we started Townsville Watersports, So doing jet skis tours out of the Breakwater Marina in Townsville. And uh, after about two years of running that business, when it just started making, making money as small businesses take a little while to get off the ground, uh, I had a phone call from the Honourable Bob Catter, asking if I'd uh, run for the, the seat of Hinchabrook in the upcoming state election. And I decided that uh, after towing and throwing if the idea for a little bit, I would say yes. Uh, main point was, the, the, the thing that got me across the line to say yes was, uh, a lot of people complain about why uh, and the things that are wrong out there in politics or what needs to be changed. And I thought to myself, if I've given, been given this opportunity to at least run as a candidate and, and pass that up, Although I don't really have the right to ever whinge again. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so I ended up running uh, for the seat of Hinchinbrook, and after uh, a three and a three week and two day campaign, by the time they announced me as a candidate, I uh, got in as the, um, the the new member. And so, when you say yes, and you
0: you know you decide you're going to run with Bob Catter and Rob Catter and yeah. the Catters, I guess yep. but you're the member of the Catters Australian Party. Yep. Um, what is that? actual experience of campaign like? You said it's oh. like three weeks so it must just be Well well to
1: be honest, uh, <laughs> a lot of the other candidates and, and if we have a look at the federal election right now, if you're um if you decide to be a candidate quite early in the piece, well then you can you can have a twelve month um, run up to a campaign or, or an election. Where because I was announced very late in the piece, um I what all I did was um I used my skills that I'd picked up through running my own small business I brought on the best campaign manager in the world, which was my sister who was used to running her own right. small business. We had a sm- small budget of about $7,000. So we ran an election campaign for the seat of Interbrook on $7,000. And if you know what a billboard costs and a few uh, print runs, it doesn't take uh, take long to chew that up. We got out there and we just we did the hard work um, and we utilised the skills that we'd learned in small business. So we got out there and we, we got banked for bucks out of our product basically hit the ground, door knocked, we hand-delivered every pamphlet, every brochure, um, and just just got out there and tried to, you know, where the rubber hits the road, as they say, and, and get as much effectiveness out of what we had to work with in the short amount of time. And I also guess, like, the way that has come about sounds a lot different to,
0: like, other politicians who are in the, the major parties, because yeah. they run their, uh, like, in the Labor Party, they've got their sort of their pre-selections if the the factions and things and it's the same in the Liberal Party. So it must have been um, encouraging for the leader of
1: Catter Party to ring you and be like, Yeah we'd like you to run. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and and one of the questions I asked Bob Catter when he first asked to meet with me. And I'd met Bob about five or six times, you know, you meet him at the pub, you see him at the egg <laughs> show, all those sorts of things, all the places you usually see Bob Catter. And I asked him why, why did I stick out as a potential candidate? Because he, he did mention a couple of the other candidates that he had lined up uh, and was interviewing. And I thought they were, they were pretty high profile and stuff like that. He said, Nick, um, the people in Hinchinbrook know you. Mm. I asked them, do you know Nick DeMetto? And they said they know you. So you've got obviously a large friends group out there or you've made an impact in a lot of people's lives out there in Hinchinbrook already as being a local. And secondly, they looked at what I was doing with my small business. And they asked, why, with your advertising and the, the messaging on your Facebook and Instagram posts, is it all about, it wasn't just about selling jet ski tours. It was about promoting the, the shop down the road, the co- the coffee shop, or promoting Sea Link, the ferry terminal, or uh, stuff to do on Magnetic Island, or stuff to do on the region. He said, why was that? And I said, well, my idea was if I can push the whole region and attract a thousand people a week, extras through social media, to come and visit Townsville, I only need Ten of those a week Mm. to to double my business so I'm looking big picture helping uh, helping the, the big picture which would also benefit myself and he goes that's exactly the kind of candidate we want someone that's not just thinking about themselves to prosper uh, so you get elected, yep. and then you end up
0: down here in um, in parliament. What's that experience like walking into Queensland Parliament for the first An time? An absolute
1: whirlwind uh, the the yeah. moment, and and it's all it all differs, I guess, from um, depending on the previous member. Some some previous members, I've been told, will give a handover mm. to to the to the incoming member. Some people. Um, well not I was left with nothing I didn't even, wasn't even left the pen okay. in in the office at Hinnbrook <laughs> electorate office and uh, you know I don't, I don't hold that against the, the previous member everyone does something a little bit different um, but uh, it, it was a little bit daunting when I was starting to all of a sudden get phone calls from previous uh, from people that were having their, their their situation dealt with by the previous member saying, where are we with this mm. uh, and then it, it, it dawned on me very quickly that um I was going to have to start from scratch. And that was probably in the first two weeks, I really realised that it was like starting a new business all over again. So we built that Hinchinbrook electorate office, what we see now from scratch, from the the staff that works in there right now to um, coming down here and learning the ropes. I guess um,
0: most MPs are sort of from this corner of Queensland, really. Mm. Um, What's it like uh, working with them as a North Queensland MP, sort of trying to get... Your point of view of
1: how things are going across to them. And oh, it's it, it's difficult, um, and I, I won't remember, I uh, won't mention the member's name um, or, or where uh, they were from. But very early in the piece, uh, I was asked by a member, well, "I just don't get North Queenslanders," <laughs> and I said, "Okay." Uh, and this person was from the southeast corner, and I said, um, "What do the people in your electorate want?" And they said, "You know." We want better roads. We want a new arts, visual arts centre. We want um, better public transport. All these things that, from a North Queenslander point of view, they've got pretty, got got done pretty well down here in the south, cor- mm. southeast corner. And I said, you know what North Queenslanders want? They just want to be left alone. <laughs> they want to be able to drive their four-wheel drive on the beach. They want to be able to go fishing when they can go fishing. They want to be able to go, you know, shooting or hunting whenever they want to go shooting or hunting. They want the freedoms of living in the great outdoors. They understand they're not going to get the big city, um, shiny uh, gifts and things you know that the government can provide. But if you could just let us be North Queenslanders in <laughs> North Queensland, that would be enough for most of us up there. And she, she said, well, uh, I, I kind of get that. Oh, well, cool. So yeah. I guess
0: at least, um, you know, that being able to have those conversations with mm. the members down here, it really helps, I guess... Brings the attention of the whole parliament. What yeah. you guys up north want, um, and the three of your like the cat of three, yeah. I guess I'll call it. Um, the trilogy. <laughs> the tril- continues. Um, does that does it help now that you know there's, is the three of you working together as opposed to say? I mean, I spoke to Michael Berkman. Was one of the earliest episodes I did, and
1: he's a Greens MP, but he's the only Greens MP. so yeah, yeah. You know, Matt. Um, it, it's funny you say that. Uh, Robbie and Shane have really paved uh, the golden path Mm -hmm. for me, almost. Um, Not to say that we're on a golden run or anything here, but the hard work Shane's done as a member, uh, I believe Shane's been a member of parliament for 15 years. Mm. Uh, Robbie's on his third term now, and the the work that those gentlemen have done uh, in building relations here on both sides of politics um, has really helped me um, step into this world. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to be as uh, having the successes I am having now, uh, without the work that they've done, so my, my literally my cater hat <laughs> goes off to those y- guys, Robbie and, and Shane. And also,
0: I guess you, you're, the Caterpie doesn't have the same sort of like resources as the two major parties would. So when you are like discussing how to approach a piece of legislation that maybe doesn't quite affect the North Queensland region, or mm. um, maybe it's not something that you're necessarily across, how do you then go about? Judging that legislation, like, do you have a philosophy or criteria that you use?
1: Well, uh, it, it, it's it's quite a, quite simple, I guess. We judge every policy and every piece of legislation coming through the House on its individual merit. It's because um, we sit in a pretty unique position on the crossbench, where if you have a look at the um, the last Parliament, where we, the KOP didn't have the balance of power, but we had a, a pretty good we had the ability to swing votes mm. through with the independents and stuff like that. Or uh, Robbie and Shane did at least, and the the good thing about that and having that you know that that tight Parliament, you actually get to um, you get to adjudicate the good policies and the good bills coming through the House, whether it's from the the, the LNP or the ALP. If the ALP had something good, you know. Boys would let it through the House. If the LNP had something good, they would let it through the House too. It's was almost like the voice of reason <laughs> where where you see a government, uh, any government that has the numbers to, to, to rule outright, they have the ability to push whatever legislation they want through, and that's what I see happening at the moment. Do you find it, uh,
0: like if we look back in, I guess, previous parliaments, it, it's having more of these independents and minor parties kind of makes it, better in a sense, because I know that at the moment mm. there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of messages come out from major parties that says if you vote for a minor party, yep. you're throwing your vote away, whatever, it's a protest vote mm. but do you think it actually really
1: opens up more voices in the parliament? Oh, I would have to agree with the, the end of that statement there I think it gives, it opens the floor up to proper debate once again if you've got a major party of course the major parties want the, the whole control of the parliament <laughs> they want to be able to govern Without having to negotiate with the crossbench, without having to negotiate with the uh, the independents, when you need to, when you find yourself governing in a position where you need to consult with other you know, minor groups, all of a sudden you need to convince them why your legislation actually is worth passing through the parliament, and you have to work harder. Mm. With the um with, with the two majors, of co- like I said, of course they would love the government in their own right, but uh, I think it's healthier for debate. And it's healthier for a, for a country that uh, that actually gives different groups uh, a voice. And it's good to have that. Um, you know, our, our view is um, it doesn't always stick on either side of the major parties. You know, it's always good to have an alternative view sometimes. And I think that's something we uh, valuable tool we add to the parliament.
0: And obviously, that's not just in like you've got your committee groups as well. So obviously, yeah. getting involved in those ha- having broad views as opposed to just two. Although. Mm. I remember I was talking to um, John Paul Langbrook and he said even even with the two major parties you've got a lot of different views within those and that can obviously be more... Probably more
1: highlighted in committee work than in mm. the floor of Parliament. Oh, we, I don't get an opportunity to sit in the back room and the, the back room meetings with either the Labor Party or the ALP or the LNP, sorry. Uh, but yeah, the reports we get back are, is, is quite fractioned within their, um you know both both major parties. There's different groups sort of uh, sprouting up everywhere within their uh, under their main umbrella. Um, what what we see is though. Um, I would like to, I'd like to see more independence, and I'd like to see more minor parties uh, being able to ha- have, a, have a voice out there because I think it, there is, and it we're seeing the rise of the minor parties, I believe, because uh, people are sick of that infighting within uh, the different fractions, say, um, with the Labor Party, that, that, you know, we've got people in the Labor Party or fractions of the Labor Party that aren't representing the worker anymore. That fraction hasn't got a big enough voice within their own party, and we're seeing that uh, if you have a look at the LNP, the National Party not getting the re- the, the Bush voice not being represented like they were before, and we're yeah. seeing disaffected voters from both major parties coming towards the KAP because the way I see it, um, we represent a lot of the, you know a lot of the same values of the old country party, you know um, you know Sir Sir Joe bjelke peterson sort of days where um, things just got done, and. Uh, I remember actually I was talking to a gentleman the other day and you know he, he was a an LNP supporter, um, but he spoke highly of Bob Hawke, mm. and I said, um, wh- why did why did you um you, you back Bob Hawke?" in some of these comments, he said, "Because he got it. He understood small business, and he also understood the worker. He understood that if the workforce was doing well and there was plenty of jobs, they would spend more money on houses, and spend more money in the shops, and spend more money in retail." If, it, if you got that sorted out, it all works. The country and the small business is the backbone of this country. I was going to say that probably really mirrors what's happened in New South Wales as well. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, in the in the country electorates there, they've seen a big swing away from those major yeah. parties as well. So um, the
1: f- the, f- uh, the Farmers and Fishers Party or Farmers yeah. and Shooters Party, whatever it is, yeah, uh, yeah, they've got they've got a lot of ground out there in the, in the, um, the western part of New South Wales because of that fact. In, they just felt like they were being neglected by the Nationals. Um, too much infighting, too much, um, yeah, not looking after the electorate. You need to be out there on the ground floor. Uh, the, the hard work, and you know, Robbie and Shane have been instrumental in teaching me this. The hard work, uh, you know, there's a lot of work here to be done mm-hmm. in Parliament, but the hard work's in your electorate. And yep. making sure that you can't, you can't change the world or change the lives of the people in your electorate by sitting behind your desk pretending you know their problems. You need to get out there.
0: Um, I'll, try, I'll try and move away um, from talking about all the parties and the, the fighting against each other a little bit. But um, the, I guess the main reason I start this whole thing is because most people are very just um, disengaged with politics mm. entirely. Yep. Uh, what, do you get that same sort of sense when you go out and you're electorate or are people pretty open to hearing what you have to say or are they just like uh, another politician walking through No, no, you,
1: you, you're, you're right. People are, they've had enough of that party politics. They've had, had enough of being rammed policy down your throat, you know. People want you to listen to them. They, people that I talk to, I don't try and jam policy down their throat. I, When I talk to people, I talk to them about what's important to them mm. and uh, ask them about their day. How are you going? You know, what what's important to you out here? And and, and listen to them. then instead of ramming down their throat what you want to do, actually be their voice. Come back and develop a bill from something you heard's a problem in the electorate. Come back and develop a policy uh, that solves a problem in your electorate, or come down and have a meeting with a minister uh, and and try and fix their problem. Don't sort of um, dictate to them what you need them to do.
0: (laughs) And I guess from the, you know, you've talked about the size of your electorate. I mean, there's a lot of issues, say, in... Brisbane that you know one road that might be a problem runs through several electorates and so you've got a bunch of people all making noise about that but in does it does that feel different for you when you're in your electorate there might be one issue that you're just advocating for well there's the three of you well no (laughs) I
1: would I would actually say that um the electorate has multiple issues and to give you an example what matters to someone um in the Dirigan uh they call it area, doesn't mean anything to someone just across the highway <laughs> at Bushland Beach or Bedell. Uh, you just got to get out there and have a look at how many, excuse me, how many um, community groups are out there or how many CWA groups or how many you know different fractions are out there and all sorts of um, different lines of uh, clubs and, pl- and that sort of stuff. Uh, it's, it's such varied um, electorate, yeah. You know, Robbie, Shane, and I—we do do fight on the on the same field for a lot of the same things when it comes to rural issues. Um, it's and it's quite—it's actually good having Shane and Robbie as neighbours. All the electorates neighbour each other, mm. uh, so we're not only working together in the parliament, but we're working as a block um, geographically. And I was—you know—I—I I feel like it
0: should be—you know—it's necessary to sort of bring up the recent floods because obviously the fact that you three are in the same team and. Yep you know those three electorates have been affected by that does that um well i guess first of all i should really ask
1: is uh, how's that work going with the flood recovery yeah today? um out west is probably been the hardest hit when it comes to the agriculture industry uh, we've lost over half a million head of cattle and just to actually fathom that you know you, you know what a cattle truck looks like full of cows. And that looks like a lot of cows, half a million. And that means for some graziers out there and some cattlemen, uh, that's 100% stock loss. Uh, And I I talked to a gentleman the other day who lives in uh, the Hinchinbrook electorate that works on a mine site um, out near Julia Creek. And he said, um, we actually went out and the people on the small mine site was giving the graziers a hand to help clean up some of the carcasses and that. And you know, pretty tough brawny kind of blokes that are um you know rough and tumble sort of people coming back after a day or sitting on a um a, uh what they call an it interchangeable but so you've got you know, like a bucket on the front of this machine and picking up cattle and after 10 days uh, a beast rotting in the hot sun just basically turns to soup and yeah. just like that um that really really is di- distressing for a lot of people but uh you know they're, they're starting to get the help they need um the the, the bigger um uh, producers out there will probably do a lot better than, than the smaller guys out there. Um, p- people that don't have so much debt will probably do all right. Um, but what's been pointed out to me is the you know the, the people that have just started out in the industry, they might have done, say, just like myself, 10 years in the mining and construction industry, saved up that, that capital to, to break in, mm. had the deposit to break in. Uh, they've done it tough for seven years. They've just gone through five, six years of drought, spending their la- life savings on trying to keep their cattle alive and you now in, in three days it's all over. Um, they're the ones that are probably going to go to the wall on this. Um, but then you go back uh, in, into the, the Townsville area and the area that was in part of my electric that was hit. Um, we've got in, we've got problems with insurance companies playing a little bit of uh, hardball and trying to pay some of their um, their customers. That's, that's a difficult part. We've also got a problem where um, insurance companies are uh, talk, uh, trying to convince uh, their clients to use out-of-town contractors to do the work to get it done quickly and you know we're seeing out-of-town contractors from the southeast corner all over the state really coming in and you know taking advantage of, of a situation and we completely understand that um you know it is probably a case of the uh the local contractors being exhausted, so to get some of these jobs done, uh, we're going to need help from outside. But at the same time, uh, it's sad to hear reports of people being taken for a rides on some of these um these rebuilds. Well, that sound, I mean, that just
0: sounds like one of those um like obviously any kind of natural disaster that comes through would be. I remember talking to um councillor Burke, councillor Burke. He's like a, uh, the councillor for. Uh, Jamboree, Jamboree okay. which is like um, right beside the Brisbane River. So his his ward was just hit by the yeah. like the floods years ago. Years ago, yeah. But he said that's really when he realised the importance of his position was that suddenly yeah. everyone was contacting him and like saying this yeah. is what we need, this is what's happening. You're suddenly coordinating all these different things. Yeah. Is that where you really felt
1: like you know you really have to rise to that sort of exactly occasion? right um, during during any natural disaster and. I've grown up in Ingham, which is just just north of Townsville, which is in the Hinchinbrook electorate as well. And we get a flood nearly every second year uh, coming through, so we're pretty resilient to that. Uh, and we know how to get in and help each other out. And uh, when a flood goes through Ingham, within two days you could pretty much—it's um, hard to say that a flood's actually been through. That's how you how good we are at getting back on our feet. Townsville, this is this was um, the last time it was 20 years ago. Uh, the last time they had an event similar to this and people just weren't ready for it um and they needed leadership at the time i felt that uh by jumping in and just leading by example and you know getting out there and filling sandbags myself or uh, working out there in the rain with people trying to save their properties and i actually stepped into a bit of a logistics role at at one stage there because you know the towns or city council under the, the leadership of mayor jenny hill were doing a brilliant job but it was literally all hands on deck I found myself at stages um, collecting donations to take to drop-in centres, uh, filling sandbags, helping people, um, you know, get back to their properties and that sort of stuff and help clean up. It was uh, it was one of those times where um, I didn't do anything more than a North Queenslander would in that situation just that rolls up their sleeves and just gives their mate a hand, uh, but I just got to do it on a grander scale. And, I mean, I don't
0: watching the time cuz I don't want to take yeah. up your whole I know you're busy you got other things to do so I won't take Gotta up too much get back work. down into the house and do some That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We've so, got crocodiles to debate next. Um, I'll just finish with us maybe just two or three more questions but Course. just um, uh, you know just going back to Hinchinbrook what what are some reasons for people to You mentioned it before when you were talking about your jet ski business. Yeah. Um if people are in Southeast Queensland, maybe looking to go for a holiday or something, what are
1: oh. some reasons to go to the Hinchinbrook you area? You should definitely come to North Queensland. You can fly direct into <laughs> Townsville. Uh, and I tell you what, whether you want to check out... Townsville's a really good hub to fly into because you can shoot an hour and 15 minutes west and you're in the, the dry cattle country. You go south, you're in the Burdekin, which is uh, the, uh, the, um, the cane fields. You head a little bit further north. You're in the rainforest. It's, it's really a central hub. Uh, the middle of the Hinchinbrook electorate is, is a lovely town called um, and that's also a good focal point. You've got uh, Wallerman Falls just around the corner from from Ingham. It's a, the largest single-drop waterfall in the southern hemisphere. Absolutely spectacular this time of year. Hinchinbrook Island, um, where we've got the uh, the Thorsbourne Trail on Hinchinbrook Island, which is getting a fair bit of media at the moment because there are the state government's looking to invest. Um, in, in upgrades to the walking track, we've got the um, the Palm Island group. So you've got Orpheus Island Resort, which is uh, in the middle of the Palm Island group. It's actually uh, owned by the same people that own, own the casino, the Ville Casino in Townsville. It's um it's absolutely five star. Some of the um you know the the best reef and snorkeling you can you'll ever do in Queensland. It's right there in the middle of the Hinchinbrook electorate Um We've also got you know just the locals. The the local experience. It's a uh, if you have a look at the Ingham area, for example, which is in the middle, it was predominantly settled by Italians during the, uh, the after World War One and Two to break into the cane industry, the sugar cane industry, and just it's um it's almost like visiting Little Italy. <laughs> yeah, and just to just to finish off on um, of course
0: what uh, whenever you exit politics, whether it's you know hopefully not just one term, hopefully it's yeah. you know many terms you keep getting re-elected. Um, what kind of legacy would you hope to have left behind once you're, you're out of this place?
1: Oh, okay, so Matt, if I was going to think about how I would like to leave a legacy uh, for the Hinchinbrook electorate, I want to see it better than the, than the way it was when I walked in as the, uh, as the, as the member, well, I didn't actually walk in, but I was elected as the member. Um, I want to see the sugar industry having a, a future where it's sustainable. And that's not just econo- uh, sorry environmentally sustainable, which the, the pressures from government as they keep moving the goalpost at the moment uh, se- seem to be heading, but I want it to be economically sustainable. I, want, uh, I, I live in an area which is, is quite vulnerable to um, the world sugar price. Uh, I want to see an industry, whether it's uh, through diversification of the, um, the agriculture industry, uh, build, a, build a better base. Um, I'd like to see investment, and that's what I'm always advocating for, investment in the region as well. Um, the Hinchbrook electorate has been quite a rich electorate over the years, as in the money that's been produced there. Uh, unfortunately, not a, a lot of reinvestment has happened, so that's where we're at a point now where we need to look for outside investment, and I'm not talking overseas investment, but mm-hmm. I'd like to see investment from all over Australia. See, see Ingham and Hinchinbrook and the northern beaches of Townsville and Cardwell as somewhere where, at the moment, uh, property prices are, are quite cheap and uh, commercial prices, are, uh, commercial properties are quite cheap, so a great place to invest in, uh, and build. Well, I'll put um, some things in the
0: episode description where people can find you and keep up to date with what you're up to, I guess, on social media, on Facebook and things. Yep. Um, And also some things to do in Hinchinbrook. But thank you so much for
1: catching up with me. Ah, Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure.